Hey y'all, you're now tuned in to the original podcast of A Stronger Foundation. Welcome. Some call me doctor, others call me Master T. You can call me anytime. I'm Sweet T, the academic architect PDO. That's planner, designer, and overseer of the academic success plan for kids. So tell your neighbor or call somebody and let them know it's that time. Hey y'all, let's get building. Hey everybody. The title of this podcast is Teacher Is's Versus Nots. And it basically focuses on the many roles teachers play that people have become accustomed to but which roles are not really the teacher's responsibilities based on their contract, that is. See, I feel like even with the kids, they don't seem to understand their part in growing as a learner. See, both parents and students have gotten so used to the many hats the teachers wear that the line of responsibilities have become blurred. So what's the big deal, you may wonder? Well, you know that I'm an advocate for kids, right? (laughs) And as my mission is to help them to be the best that they can be by developing a strong academic foundation, I feel like they, they are developing a level of dependency on their classroom teachers and that it that contributes to the development of a lack of academic integrity. Let me explain what I mean. See, in some cases, kids rely so much on their classroom teachers that they won't even attempt an assignment unless the teacher is physically standing right next to them. I also feel like if parents better understood the degree to which they are ultimately responsible for the quality of the education their kids eventually get, then maybe they would be more vigilant in taking ownership. Let's back up and define what is a teacher. In the way we have come accustomed to defining a teacher is as one who teaches lessons, tends to students every need, and these days, they even tend to general social and psychological needs, even mental health. But what is their main duty? To teach, right? That's really it. Sure, there is, there's behind the scenes duties that a teacher have that mostly entails preparatory activities for what they will teach in the classroom. Teachers, although they essentially take on these additional roles, are not family therapists or your child's robot. (laughs) Their job is a technical, in a technical sense, their job is really cut and dry. 
A teacher's job is to share, serve, or dish out knowledge, but it's not their job to digest that knowledge for a child. In a classroom, a teacher may pause briefly during introduction of a new lesson to help a struggling uh, student catch up. As always, they will do their very best, but ultimately they must move forward. Whether or not that struggling student fully comprehends the skill or not. See, once the teacher has done their part, it's the parent's responsibility to step in and implement extra academic support to close whatever learning gaps caused the child to struggle in the first place. But instead, the parent is often disconnected from the intricate details of the child's learning. The schools will handle it, they say. The point is that many parents do not understand the distinction between the responsibility of the classroom teacher and their personal responsibility for guaranteeing their child's success. As a matter of fact, Many parents have, have presumptuously left the entire process of educating their children up to the schools and teachers. See, unfortunately, misinterpreting the roles and responsibilities will be an error on both the parent and the child's part, which will ultimately affect the child's chances of success. That's what it's all about. Schools and teachers do a fantastic job presenting the academic knowledge necessary to set up any child for academic excellence. However, again, a teacher cannot digest the information for the child. What must happen in order to complete the educational process and support a child's learning in ways that avoid formation of learning gaps is for parents to arrange a system of tracking their child's academic development that also includes accountability. See, some parents, they feel that they can relax due to certain accommodations that their child may receive in school. See, um. A lot of students now receive accommodations, as you know. And as a result of these accommodations, a parent may feel like they don't have to interact and engage as much as they really need to. Okay? So when a parent relaxed due to certain accommodation that their child's, the children are receiving in school, and due to some form of a special, special, special learning plan, as I call them, they fail to understand that accommodations have their limitations in terms of the extent to how much is required to keep a learner performing on grade level. Let me try to explain this a little better because I feel like I'm not being clear as I want to be. During an active lesson, 
when a teacher notices a struggling, a struggling learner, the teacher is prepared with various strategies ready to accommodate the student. But this accommodation must be brief in order to keep the flow of the lesson. If the accommodation required is too extensive, then the teacher may realize that the student requires more supplemental assistance than there is time to give. So it's almost like the difference between simply having a tap off a glass of water that is almost full versus having to create the entire glass as well as pump in purified water just to be able to help the child. A teacher cannot dedicate an entire school year to reteaching skills that the child should have learned in their previous school years. Because in such a case, the teacher would never get to the grade level material they need to teach for this year. And that's how it is when gaps are too extensive. In many cases, students who are prone to learning gaps as a result of poor learning habits often have a vast array of gaps in numerous standards. And during lessons, any teacher will do their very best to accommodate minor gaps, but eventually the teacher must let go, cut ties, and move on to meet the requirement of teaching the new skills. Now again, no teacher can commit to reteaching the entire curriculum from a past grade level to bring a student up to par. Otherwise, the unlevel students would essentially be punished by having to wait for other students to catch up. Now, these situations result from learning gaps that gets wider each year that they are neglected. At some point, the gaps can no longer be ignored and it's time to evaluate what went wrong. So at the end of the day, in attempt to, to assign blame, at times, parents may ask, have my child's teacher done their job? And I say, yes, absolutely. And it's easy to determine this response with a simple question. Did the teacher teach the curriculum standards? Did the teacher teach the curriculum standards? Most likely, yes. So where that leaves the parent is to acknowledge ownership of not implementing additional academic training that would have kept the child on track. Remember who gets the short end of the stick in this situation when we fail to do our part to ensure development of a solid academic foundation that can provide sufficient support when our kids reach the drop-off zone at the Great Divide. Some may attempt to pass blame based on a school's method of delivery, but that is beside the point because whether a teacher decides to deliver the lesson with a song and dance or in a monotone way, 
as long as the knowledge is served, the criteria is met. Now, many teachers dedicate their talents to developing an entertaining way of delivering the lesson. But ultimately, it's not about how they teach it, but did they teach it? But when students don't understand this concept, they develop a crippling dependency on their teacher, which limits the quality of what they learn, as well as the degree to which they learn. Now think about this analogy. In a restaurant, the job of a waitress is to serve the meals, but they are not responsible for digesting the meal. Rather, the body has its own automatic processes for breaking food down called digestion. In a basic review of how digestion works, now following the consumption of food, the process begins with the teeth manually chewing and chopping the food into smaller pieces. Now in a similar way, learners must develop manual processes by, for digesting knowledge. Now continuing with the analogy of digestion. As more food is forced down the esophagus, if the body is unable to digest the food fast enough, there will be a disruption in the digestion process and regurgitation may occur. A similar effect in learning new information may occur if students are presented with new skills before mentally structuring the previous knowledge that they consumed. And so at the beginning of the new week, when students return to class and new knowledge is presented, unless they have properly digested the previously learned standards, they will likely be unable to make the appropriate connections required for a smooth transition of the information into long-term memory. And in fact, they may even experience information overloads, system failure, and shutdown. Now I want to switch gears just a little bit and take you with me on a brief journey to examine a new phenomenon that I see on the academic horizon. It's a new breed of teachers. But before we go there, I want to remind you how we discussed that teachers have been known traditionally to assume many extra roles that's not really required by their contracts. In fact, if you recall, there was even a time back in history when teachers used to visit students' homes as a measure of their dedications. Now, let me add a few more details to get you to understand why we are going where we're going. Even with the extra duties that teachers have historically played, and even with the many hats that they wear to accommodate those they serve. And regardless of how far they have bent in order to appease, still, teachers have been notorious for taking great heat and have been forced to tolerate unfair abuse from students, parents, and administrators too. All while not being adequately compensated or otherwise appreciated. 
it's a great field to be in, but teachers have certainly been taken advantage of for some time. Teachers have been fighting for better conditions for years, although their appeals have mostly fallen on deaf ears. So now, now that I've built the stage for where we need to go, come along with me. You see, the new structure of teaching and learning in today's classrooms requires intense self-discipline from students. But this discipline is not enforced. And not because teachers necessarily prefer this way, but remember from our previous episode that the new learning theories for best practices has essentially outrated the former methods which once incorporated self-discipline. So out with the old, it's gone. Traditionally, caring teachers have learned the hard way after taking on the role of enforcing discipline. But after facing great retaliation from students, parents, and sometimes administrators, a new breed of teachers have evolved. Those who skillfully pick their battles. Now, before I go on, when I talk about discipline, I'm talking about just teaching a child how to develop efficacy and how to uh, establish good work ethics that will benefit them and help them to achieve the most out of their learning experiences. That's the discipline that I'm talking about. Okay. But again, the new breed of teachers that has evolved, evolved those now skillfully, they pick their battles. The new best practices now being incorporated excludes the character development that once trained lethargic learners to self-monitor and regulate. So as a remedy for lethargic students who are unable to self-regulate, new intelligent learning software have been developed and implemented which caters to self-learners. Now at one point, with some of the older former teaching methods, distracting students in the classroom were able to disrupt an entire session, preventing any student from learning. But the inclusion of technology has significantly resolved this issue by providing an animated resource that engages the distractors with digital mental stimulation while allowing self-regulators to gain the most of the learning experience minus the distraction. So it's a win-win. But with this win, the lethargic student essentially loses.
the concern a parent should have at this point in our conversation is which of these kids sound like yours? Did you catch what I said? I said that the same uniform instructional device that accommodates the needs of the self-regulating student also caters to the needs of the distracted student. So it's a brilliant innovation. The issue is that whereas this resource is used to maximize learning for the self-regulator, it is used as a child sitter for the other learner who simply needs to be entertained. So wait, what? Doesn't the teacher take a stand against this? Remember, I've told you that the new teachers are unique with the enhanced ability to pick their battles and avoid unnecessary stress. In fact, the new breed of teachers are just right for the new breed of learners. These teachers not only understand and embrace adaptation, but also reflect the concept of survival of the fittest. Stay with me. Adaptation is reflected in biology when organisms adjust to new environments or changes in current environments. The new teachers have adjusted. Natural selection, well, that's a scientific idea that suggests that traits that can be passed down to allow organisms to adapt to the environment better than other organisms of the same species. Again, it's a scientific idea that suggests that traits that can be passed down to allow organisms to adapt to the environment better than other organisms of the same species. Now species, as I'm referring to it, former versus present new teachers. Certain traits have been passed down to the new species of teachers, which allows them to understand several facts that former teachers dared not embrace. The new teachers understand that some kids are here to learn while others are simply placeholders. In terms of their ability to adapt to new environments, the new species of teachers are aware of the redundancy of kicking against the pricks. So this species of teachers, they reflect adaptations through the practice of holding their tongues and picking their battles because they know that reality awaits these lethargic learners at the drop-off zone. They know that the students will ultimately be segregated at the Great Divide. Another benefit of the new teacher species is that they're better suited to deal with parents who constantly presents 
non-related issues. I should say non-academic related issues that has nothing to do with a teacher's job. So where does this leave the lethargic learner who is unable to survive in this environment? In this environment in which they are provided with the most amazing, innovative digital technology that has a wealth of knowledge, but due to their inability to self-regulate and use the resource for their academic benefit, they essentially are robbed. Is this your child? Are you gonna do something about this? See, there is no blaming of the teacher. Not if they are teaching the curriculum standards. If this sounds like it could be your child, please take action because they need your help. And of course the child is happy. That's what parents may say. Well, they're happy, they're, they love their teacher, they're doing fine, they're getting a PR. So even though they may be happy, they're happy because the pressure of learning has been removed. But that pressure may have been exactly what your child needed in order to achieve the same degree of learning as a student who is able to self-regulate. Every child learns in a unique way, but all of them must study to some degree in order to learn. Based on the level of prior knowledge, some kids require less direct instruction than others. And so there's no need to be baffled by the fact that one student can achieve maximum learning without ever picking up a pencil, while other students must write until it hurts. <laughs> Just joking. So for that student who is prevented from being a distraction through the entertaining feature of the brilliant technology, this becomes an unethical circumstance that the oblivious parent is completely disengaged from. Bottom line is that kids must study in order to succeed and there is no way around it. We all want kids to be happy. We want them to just be kids. Let the kids be kids. We want them to live their best life now. But living their best life now should entail being the best learner that they can be now in order to secure their later 
Now, I don't want to be misinterpreted here as though I'm saying that new teachers are better in any way than the former teachers. Rather, what I'm saying is that they are better equipped in that they embrace vital adaptations and natural selections that puts them in at ease with the underlying fact that once a child makes a mental decision that they don't want to learn, that's just how it is and how it's gonna be. Now to wrap this up, once upon a time, former teachers would stay late in their classrooms till seven or even 8 p.m. scouring the roof, scraping the surface, just searching for new ways to save a lethargic learner and self-distracting student who doesn't realize that they don't even need saving. The new teacher breed, they have come to terms with the fact that whether they leave at 3 p.m. or remain in their classroom planning until 9 p.m., still, the students who are resistant to learning will find some way to dodge their sacrificial efforts. The unfortunate thing is that the new teacher species are actually forced to accept this as a means of survival of the fittest. Because it is essentially their ability to adapt to the increasingly, or the increasing lethargic nature of the new breed of learners that will grant their survival in the academic field as it is today. Now, when I said that former teachers would not even think of embracing or condoning the norms of the new breed of learners, I mean that former teachers were like, they were like ship captains. They would sacrifice everything just fighting to save that one student. Even if it meant going down with the ship. Teacher is's versus nots. They are doctors, academic doctors, who assess academic areas, design treatment plans, and prescribe appropriate doses. In addition, they monitor the child's response to the treatment and make necessary adjustments. The issue is that teachers are not considered real doctors. Hence, they do not receive the well-deserved respect that is due to any doctor. I mean, how common is it for a seriously ill patient to defy the professional diagnosis from their medical doctor? Not very often, right? I know. 
And in many cases, when the prescribed treatment is taken as intended, the patient recover and health is restored to them. But this looks very different in the education world. When teachers share their professional diagnosis with parents who respond by retaliating against the teacher, even at times accusing the teacher of picking on their child. No, I need you to hear my screeching tires. Parents fighting against a teacher is like biting the hand that feeds your child. Now, earlier I mentioned that a teacher is not a child robot. What I was referring to is that in many situations that I've personally witnessed, if a teacher doesn't respond in the way a student think they should, like for example, if a teacher doesn't smile at a student or entertain them in a way that pleases the child, a parent may move the student to a new classroom. Now I've personally witnessed students being moved to multiple classrooms and even schools simply because they were not pleased with the teacher's personalities. Okay. Quick disclaimer. Now I understand that there are occasions and isolated cases in which there is a real conflict between personalities, between students and teachers, but I'm speaking in general terms here. So a teacher's job is to teach. They are not required to entertain even if some do based on their eccentric personalities. Some children literally want to have a remote that controls the classroom experience, including the teacher's responses. Now, if the child decides to become a distraction, they want the power to control the teacher's response from being stern to being amused by their antics. Now, if the teacher does not respond to the code that the student punched into their remote control, the first step is to focus on reprogramming that teacher who is obviously broken. And if not broken, there is certainly some degree of malfunction that displeases the student. So the student who apparently doesn't understand their role in the classroom as the learner decides to accept a mission to humble this teacher. So rather than commit, commit their energy and in the appropriate efforts to focus on the learning task, the child becomes obsessed with the teacher's personality. The child may go as far as to complain to parents who then complains to administration, which results in unnecessary stress for an instructor who just wants to teach the child. 
But here is a downside to this very common situation faced in med many educational relationships. So even when the student wins and is moved into new settings due to their need to be in control or to be the center of attention, the same problem eventually resurfaces in the new classroom. Now, this is one of the areas in which adaptation has benefited new teachers. Former teachers would take these cases personally and internalize the related stress to the point of anxiety. And actually, burnout. Remember, teacher burnout, yeah. But a new breed of teachers have become almost immune and unaffected. They are poised with teacher witness like never seen before. They are not as easily phased by the distractions and they know how to hone in on their specific responsibilities. Now here's a scenario. Now there are 10 students in a classroom with one teacher. Five of the students know their role as students and understand the teacher's role as the classroom manager. So therefore, these five students focus on learning and gain the maximum knowledge. The other five are unable to focus because they believe the teacher should be more energetic. So as a result, they limit their learning potential. If both, group have the, both groups have the same teacher, is the real issue with the teacher or with the child? Now, interestingly, interestingly enough, that's not even the most important concern here because the real question is, who does this affect the most? The child. And that is why we are having this discussion. As an advocate for kids' education, I am sympathetic to this student who will likely endure negative academic consequences as a result of their own bad academic habits. Remember, in the end, in the end, it cannot be said that a child's lack of knowledge was due to a teacher's failure to teach because the teacher is gonna teach them. It's how the child engages with the knowledge that determines their academic strength. So please, consider your role in your child's education and be sure to become familiar with teachers' isn't and nots so that you can avoid unrealistic expectations from your child's classroom teacher. The child is the one who will have to deal with the penalty of developing a weak and wobbly academic foundation. So we must not allow them to make this decision because they are only kids. Thank you so much for listening.